Hi, this is Steve Nerlick, and this is Steve's PhD, episode 21, Submission. So hands up how many of you thought I'd given up, failed, or whatever. Hmm, not that many. That's good. I am now in what can only be described as year nine. But I am doing a part-time PhD, and if I was full-time, it would be barely year five. So people would just be saying to me, oh, year five, and you haven't finished yet? But you know what? I think I nearly have. A quick recap. I'm a PhD candidate at ANU, the Australian National University, which is generally ranked as Australia's third best university, but according to the QS ranking, it's number one. And guess which of the world's university rankings the ANU ranks as number one? Anyhow, at ANU, I'm doing a thesis by publication, which it turns out is not all that accurate a description. The number of publications required for a thesis by publication is determined at faculty or college level, and my college insisted on six. Yeah, I know, right? F***ing six. In any kind of refereed publication, you've got to be very sparing with your words... So if the editor lets you get away with 8,000 words, you're doing well. So six publications adds up to maybe 48,000 words, but they are meticulously curated words. Anyone who writes up a normal PhD thesis tends to roam a bit free with their written expression, knowing that they've got to get it to over 80,000 words to even get a look in as a thesis. So to do 80,000 words you tend to not only roam free with your written expression, but also throw in a bunch of appendices, which represent important records of the trail of investigations you doggedly followed to reach your final conclusions, even if they would never make it into a refereed publication. So, as I've often discussed with my supervisor over the years, once I've got my 48,000 published and meticulously curated words... My thesis by publication would surely only need to be maybe 60,000 words in total, perhaps adding a detailed introduction that lays out the theoretical framework that then underlies the common themes appearing across my six publications and a comprehensive conclusion at the end that ties all those publications together. At that point, my supervisor would usually glance towards the window before giving a low contemplative hmm... And so, to cut a long story short, well, actually it is just a long story, I now have a thesis draft of over 88,000 words, 48,000 of which are meticulously curated, while for the remainder I found myself able to roam free with my written expression. And I've also been able to incorporate some totally awesome appendices, which it turns out are genuinely relevant. Indeed, it's vital that I capture all that information for posterity in case future researchers wish to travel down some of those new paths that I've carved out of the academic jungle. In the last episode, Publication 6 was still pending publication. But now, not only is it accepted for publication, but the usual nightmarish referee process actually wasn't that bad. Regular listeners may recall there's usually two rounds of referee review involving two referees, which, in my experience, involve the good cop and the bad cop. 
So one reviewer will say, hey, great article, this will be a valuable contribution to the field. And the other referee says, what were you thinking? Do you even understand you've submitted this nonsensical crayon scribbling to an academic journal? Your supposed argument is barely coherent. Extraordinary statements are made without so much as a passing glance at the relevant literature, and you call this statistical analysis? It's numerical gibberish. Of course, you should realise this person could have just ticked the reject box and left it at that. The fact that they've ticked the box that says, oh my god, this requires a complete rewrite from scratch, is in fact your ticket in. And so, I did do a complete rewrite, which chewed up most of the remainder of last year, and I eventually resubmitted it on Christmas Day, because yep, I'm a f***ing PhD candidate, and that's how we roll. And then, there was an email in January, apologising for the delay and noting one very positive review had been received, and would I mind just hanging on a bit longer for the other reviewer? Oh, sure. But then the promised deadline passed, I gave it a couple more weeks, and then sent a how's-it-going email. At which point the editor agreed we shouldn't delay any longer. And since the first review had been so good, they just accepted the article then and there. I like to imagine it's because the bad cop just couldn't think of anything bad to say, but who knows. So after that, it was just a case of pulling some extra material together around the six articles. I had my unpublished blatherings about John Dewey and experiential education, some extra material about Australian students studying in China that didn't make it into the book chapter, and a bunch of stuff on how you measure the return on investment in education. I plonked all that together and passed it to my supervisory panel. To explain, the person I call my supervisor is technically the chair of my supervisory panel, comprising three academic staff who have the job of going through a first draft thesis, which is usually a wobbly load of todge, and together turning it into gold. So after I'd handed in my todge, some gently worded emails began to flow back, like, uh, you can't actually say this in a PhD thesis. Please note you've repeated this same statement about four times now. That bit, it's a bit too long, while this bit is a bit too short, and you need some more references here. As anyone should do under these circumstances, I just went along with it all, disputing nothing because I knew if I did everything I was asked, I could say at the end of it all, well, come on, I did everything I was asked. And I was pretty grateful. It's a lot of work ploughing through 80,000 words of todge and turning it into gold. Well, gold, I'm not so sure. But Publication 6, which is now Thesis Chapter 8, totally kicks b**** This thing had been rejected twice, although with some useful feedback each time. And then the third journal, rather than rejecting it out of hand, took the opportunity to tell me, in excruciating detail, what an utter piece of b**** it was, and why. It is a wonderful thing that there's people in the world willing to tell you that something you've slaved over for days, months or years is actually a monstrous pile of b**** and they also tell you why it is. And that last bit is the gift. So, 
After being the object of appalled gasps, derision and rejection, Publication 6 did eventually blossom into something good. Indeed, it does actually tell you how to measure the value of a study abroad experience, which is what the whole thesis was supposed to be about. So, here at the end, I am somewhat stunned to realise that apart from all the stuff that's still to come around getting the thesis accepted, I did actually get the job done. So yes, it turns out you can accurately measure the value of studying abroad. The way I did it was to measure how many graduates got full-time jobs within four months after graduation and do it for both those who studied abroad and those who didn't. It turns out that 74% of graduates who studied abroad got full-time jobs within four months compared with just 70% of those who didn't study abroad. It's a statistically significant difference with a probability of only one in a thousand that this outcome could have happened by chance. And it's repeatable. I've measured the same thing over different years and the statistical significance is still there. It's amazing. The only thing, it's a tiny effect. There's another statistical test where you can measure the effect size. And it's f***ing nothing. So now I have a story to tell about how everyone's right that there is a benefit from studying abroad, but it ain't much. However, more on that on the next, and possibly last, episode. There's now another round of draft changes to manage after the panel have gone through the latest thesis draft, and then it goes to the external examiners. Stay tuned. Steve Nerlich, PhD candidate. And so, to cut a long story short, 